Yeah, we moved it there. It's actually easier there because it's easier to take the food in from the back. Okay. Instead of coming in from the front, good. distracting the speaker. That sounds good. You said the magic word, food. Prasadam. <laughs> <laughs> I surrender. Prasadam. Okay. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. 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 Oh my Lord Sri Krishna, Son of Vasudev, of all pervading personality of Godhead. I offer my respectful obeisances unto you. And today we're on a brand new section in the second chapter. Uh, the first, after the, uh, the reasons of you didn't want to fight, text 1 through 10, then it was knowledge, pure knowledge of matter and spirit. Then it was action, but um, it was just in terms of what's called fruitive action, or just what's good for me, acting in a selfish way. So now we're going to put both together. We're going to put spiritual knowledge together with action, and uh, learn how to act uh, selflessly, in a detached way. So, let's, uh, let's call it Buddha Yoga. Let's see how Bojan puts it. Yeah. Text... 39 to 53. First explains buddhi yoga. Another synonym is nishkam karma. That means uh, selfless action. Wherein one works karma with knowledge, gyan, and is thus detached from the fruit of his work. Okay. So, so we'll first, uh, there's 15 verses in this section, 39 through 53. So we'll just go to the Gita. And um, let's see. Yeah, let's do the Sanskrit. <coughs> okay, after me. So, Paduke. No, it's page page down. Down. It's uh, in, the, in my Gita, it's page 105. It's 239. And I still haven't gotten Dana her study down yet. Darn it. Okay. I think she needs another Gita, too. Uh, I can get her one. We just got a whole a new set of hardbacks. Oh, good. Yeah, please give her. Okay. So hopefully my next week. I said that last week, didn't I? And the week before. Hmm. <laughs> Three's a charm. It's coming. Okay. I believe that. <laughs> okay, I gotta do it then. Eshate bihita samke. Eshate bihita samke. Buddhir yoga etvimam shrinu. Buddhir yoga etvimam shrinu. Buddhya yukto yaya partha. Buddhya yukto yaya partha. Karma bandham prahasyasi. Karma bandham prahasyasi. Together, thus far, I have described this knowledge through analytical study. Now listen as I explain it in terms of working without further results. O son of Prita, when you act in knowledge, you can free yourself from the bondage of the world. So this is how we're going to make karma yoga. Text 40. I have a quick question. It's just really like on the pronunciation. Is it Prita or Partha? I've heard it in so many different ways from different devotees. So that's another word. 
Karta means the son of Prita. Oh. It's a short form of saying son of Prita, or you're going to say Parta. Oh, I see. Okay. That makes sense. <laughs> I was wondering. <laughs> yeah, we're not uh, our culture, right? <laughs> Neha vikravana shosti. Neha vikravana shosti. Pratyavayo lavidyate. Pratyavayo lavidyate. Spautam apyasya dharmasya. Spautam apyasya dharmasya. Trayate mahato bhayat. Trayate mahato bhayat. Together. In this endeavor, there is no loss or diminution. In the level of advancement on this path, Protect one from the most dangerous type of fear. This is an English word, diminution, but in Iskand, it's got many imitation <laughs> expressions. If you'll there's two or three, is the way they say it, but it's diminution. It's a, it's a diminishing, that's all. Diminution. It's an, actually, it's a, it's a word. <laughs> it's in the dictionary. So, okay. This is funny, because whenever I heard people pronounce it, it's just weird. Okay, text 41. Yavasayat mika budhir. Yavasayat mika budhir. Together. Those who are on this path are resolute in purpose, and their aim is one. O oh, beloved child of the Gurus, the intelligence of those who are irresolute is many branch. 42, 43, this is 2 and 1. I'm just checking the synonyms now because I think there was a mistake. So, in this, these two verses, Krishna is directly countering Arjuna's Vedic arguments, very nice Vedic arguments, because uh, Krishna's going to just criticize that. <laughs> Together. Men of small knowledge are very much attached to the flowery words of the Vedas, which recommend various rooted activities for elevation to heavenly planets, resulting in good birth, power, and so forth, being desirous of sense gratification and optimizing life. They say that there is nothing more than this. 
and in that consciousness surrender unto the Lord. Those who want to enjoy the fruits of their works are our misers. Fifty. Yoga karma sukoshalam. Yoga karma sukoshalam. Together, a man engaged in devotional service rids himself of both good and bad reactions, even in his life. Therefore, strive for yoga, which is the art of all work. 51. Karma jang buddhi yuktahi. Karma jang buddhi yuktahi. Kalam chakva manishanaha. Janma Mukta Together, by thus engaging in devotional service to the Lord, great sages or devotees free themselves from the results of work in the material world. In this way, they become free from the cycle of birth and death and attain the state beyond all miseries by going back to God. And you see a bracket that means Prabhupada added that. Um, it's not in the Sanskrit, but he wants to make sure we're going the right place. Text 52. Yadate moha kalilam Yadate moha kalilam Budhir vyatatarishyati Budhir vyatatarishyati Tadagantasi nirvedam Together. When your intelligence has passed out of the dense forest of delusion, you shall become indifferent to all that has been heard and all that is to be heard. And I think this is, yes, this is the last verse of the series. 53. Together, when your mind is no longer stirred by the flowery language of Vedas, and when it remains fixed in the trance of self-realization, then you will attain the divine consciousness. So that those verses are so rich, and you're probably thinking, I'm going to go into that a little more deeply. So that's what we're going to do. They just go by and say, it's going to take us two weeks to get through. <laughs> it's 15 verses. Well, if we do five a day, maybe you're right. Let's see. <laughs> It's, uh, a lot depends on how much Bori John gets into it. Oh, yeah. It's quite extensive. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, a study guide that goes from page 39 in Bible to page 46. Anyway. And also our discussion. So, um, maybe Elijah can start on that side. Thus far I have described this knowledge to you through analytical study. Now listen as I explain it in terms of working without fruitive results. 
O son of Prita, you, when you act in such knowledge, you can free yourself from the bondage of works. Commentary. In texts 11 through 30, Krishna describes jnana, knowledge, as the difference between spirit and matter or the soul and the body. The activities of jnana yoga are basically the same as those of sankhya yoga. The analytical study of matter and spirit to practice either, one must renounce all activities and practice meditation. Krishna, however, has consistently instructed Arjuna in another way. He has told him to work in a renounced spirit, not to renounce activity. Verse 39 hints that analytical study, Sankhya, means the renunciation of activity, which, if successfully performed, elevates one in jnana. But Krishna does not recommend that Arjuna renounce his activities. He therefore explains the benefits of action, not renunciation of activity, and says that action should be executed in knowledge with the understanding, jnana, that one is not his body. Krishna encourages Arjuna to listen attentively and to hear how to become free from sinful reactions. Srila Prabhupada explains in his purport, Arjuna has already accepted Krishna as his spiritual master by surrendering unto him, himself unto him. Shisyasteham shadimam tvam prapranam. Consequently, Krishna will now tell him about the working process in Bhuti Yoga, or Karma Yoga, or in other words, the practice of devotional service only for the sense gratification of the Lord. This Bhuti Yoga is clearly explained in chapter 10, verse 10, as being direct communion with the Lord, who is sitting as Paramatma in everyone's heart. Okay, break for just pause for a minute. Does anybody know that verse? Let's just look at that, Let's look at that verse. 10.10, 10, it's a very famous... This verse, 1010, actually sums up this whole section. <laughs> uh, it's that potent, famous. You got 1010 in your gear? We're gonna we're gonna chant the Sanskrit. Maybe we'll read the whole purport too, because it's really big. Oh, it's in the it's in it's in the gear, yeah. I'm sorry, yeah, switch, switch books. <laughs> You'll hear devotees quote this all the time. Dero, he's always quoting. Atula Govinda's favorite verse. Dero? Atula Govinda's favorite verse. <laughs> all right. Uh, so I'll say, then you say. Tesham satata yuktanam. Tesham satata yuktanam. Bhajatam priti purvakam. Bhajatam priti purvakam. Dadami buddhi yogam tam. Dadami buddhi yogam tam. Yenama mukayantite. Yenama mukayantite. Together, to those who are constantly devoted to serving me with love, I give the understanding by which they can come to me. So that's, that's what it takes to get Krishna's direct guidance. It takes full-on, constant absorption in uh, uh, serving Krishna with love. And then Krishna he gives us direct guidance. So let's take a look at the purport. I'll read the purport. How about that? Purport. In this verse, the word buddhi yogam is very significant. And that's, this, that's the name of the whole section we're doing in the second chapter. Buddhi, the yoga of intelligence. We may remember that in the second chapter, the Lord, instructing Arjuna, said that he had spoken to him of many things, and that he would instruct him in the way of buddhi yoga. 
<coughs> now Buddha Yoga is explained. <coughs> Buddha Yoga itself is action in Krishna consciousness. So Buddhi intelligence, yoga acting in a, in a very harmonious, linking way. <coughs> that is the highest intelligence. Buddhi means intelligence, and yoga means mystic activities or mystic elevation. When one tries to go back home, back to Godhead, and takes fully to Krishna consciousness in devotional service, his action is called buddhi yoga. In other words, uh, buddhi yoga is the process by which one gets out of the entanglement of this material world. It's interesting that you can do the same thing, but it's a, if you're doing it in one consciousness, you get one result, and if you're doing another consciousness, you get another result. And that was... Uh, that was the message of the first verse in the series we said. Um, because it's the, it's the consciousness that actually determines the result, the karma, or not. So that's why Krishna, he was recommending, don't, don't, don't give up action, keep acting, but give up the idea that you're the center of it, that you want to enjoy the fruits of it. Do it for me, do it for Krishna. <clears throat> okay, so the ultimate goal of progress is Krishna. People do not know this, therefore the association of devotees and a bona fide spiritual master are important. One should know that the goal is Krishna, and when the goal is assigned, here's a famous line from Prabhupada, then the path is slowly but progressively traversed. <laughs> you get your eye on the goal, and then you know where you're going, and then it, but it takes time to get there because we're a little uh, rusty. <laughs> uh, and the ultimate goal is achieved. When a person knows the goal of life, now this is very interesting, listen to the way Prabhupada puts this. <clears throat> when a person knows the goal of life, but is addicted to the fruits of activities, he is acting in karma yoga. So now we're getting a little, we're parsing it a little finer. Because there's a whole chapter in the Gita called Karma Yoga, Action in Krishna Consciousness. So when you hear the phrase karma yoga, that can be completely full-on Krishna consciousness. But it can also be used in a way where it's uh, where you're acting for Krishna, but you're still hanging on to your, your own desires too. So there's two kinds of karma yoga, if you will. Or I should rather say that there's a progression from acting for Krishna, but being attached and then acting and being detached, and acting in pure love. It's, it's, a, it's a bridge, <laughs> or a ladder, however you want to say it. It's a journey. Karma yoga becomes bhakti yoga? Yeah, we're, we're, well, you'll see in, in the fifth chapter. The third chapter is called karma yoga. And then in the fifth chapter is karma yoga, action in Krishna consciousness. So it's Krishna's ratcheting up the, the quality of the work, the consciousness, the quality of the consciousness with which we do the work. <clears throat> okay, so okay, so when we act, but we're still addicted to the fruits, uh, we're still attached to the fruits, we're acting in karma yoga. When he knows that the goal is, so, but you might think, what does that mean? When a person knows the goal of life, but is addicted to the fruits of activities, he's acting in karma yoga. Because usually if you think addiction, then that's just karma. Okay, I'm going to, I'm just... I'm addicted to just enjoying this material world, so I'm going to do my karma. But there's a stage of practicing Krishna consciousness where we still are addicted, 
Um, but at least we're, we're doing devotional service, but we're still trying to in, in, enjoy it. We're, we're the center of it still. You know what I mean? It's a, it's a subtle thing. We're not in denial of our addiction, but we don't know what to do about it yet. We're not out of it yet. Yeah, we're not, I mean, it's, it's an internal thing. We're still like, I, I might be ostensibly going out on book distribution, but I'm really attached to how many books I'm doing and, and really attached to people hearing that I've done so many books. You know, I'm doing it with a, a selfish motive, even though I'm, I'm externally engaged. But that's okay, that's, that's a stage, that's an immature stage, but it's, at least we're, you know, we're in the right place doing the right thing. That's karma yoga? That's karma yoga, that's called sakam karma yoga, that's, that's yoga where we're just totally attached to what we're doing for Krishna. I, want, I only want to do this for Krishna, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do this, because I'm, <laughs> I'm not unionized for that. <laughs> I want to do this. So we're attached to the activity, and plus, whatever the activity produces, we're attached to basking in the result of it. You know, I, I want to enjoy that somehow. Uh, so that's called Sakam Karma Yoga. And then, by hearing about Krishna and, and gradually falling in love with Krishna, that attachment gets a little loosened, and then we become uh, detached, from the, detached from the work. We're willing to do more things for Krishna. Whatever Krishna wants, he, Krishna's the best, he's great. If he wants me to do this, I'll do it. But I only do it for him. <laughs> I wouldn't do that for anybody else. Especially I wouldn't do it for me. There's no way. So we're, we're a little detached from the fruit, excuse me, the activity, but we're still attached to the fruit. We're still, you know, we're still attached to the fruit. In other words, enjoying the fruit. Of course, we always, as we talked about last time, we always want to make it nice for Krishna. So that's not completely up to us how it comes out. You know, Krishna might just um, make it hard. And then there's a stage, so there's Sakam, there's Kama, and then there's Shuddha, means pure. We're willing to do anything for Krishna, and whatever happens, it's up to Krishna. And that's, I'm fine with that, my dear Lord. But I'm still trying hard to do it. Nice. Just thinking like, just like at the beginning, you know, like cooking, these great example, at the beginning you're cooking prasadam for Krishna, because you're offering your prasadam, but at the same time you're thinking about how good this prasadam is yeah. be, and now you're going to yeah. prasadam. Then later you get to the point where you're cooking for Krishna, and you want to make it good for Krishna, and then at the point of love, you're just cooking for Krishna, just out of, because you want to cook for Krishna, for yeah. love. And then like, at that point you don't really, you're not really concerned with the results, like Krishna accepts the love, and because that was you was doing the example of the lady who was Vidura's wife. Oh, would have been banana peel. She, instead of serving him a banana, she served him a banana peel. <laughs> It. Yeah. Well, that's really special. I mean, that's when somebody's in totally ecstatic love, they don't want to do love. But, you know, even when we're acting in love for Krishna, we're trying to do it nicely. It's not that we're oblivious of the conditions of the pot or the fire. But, yeah, that's, yeah, that's total uh, divine madness, what you're describing. <laughs> yes? Okay, I'm still going to give you the difference between Nishkam, Karma Yoga, and mm -hmm. Karma Yoga. Well, no, karma yoga is the general. Okay. So there's breaking, it's a subset of karma yoga. I see. Nishkam, or Sakam, Nishkam, and, and Shuddha. So, Purijan actually breaks this down a little bit more in the sixth chapter. 
when he talks about what he calls the yoga ladder. So yeah. Yeah, this is uh, this is kind of summary form. I mean, this is just one purport. But let's go through the rest of this paragraph. It's very interesting. When he knows that the goal is Krishna, but he takes pleasure in mental speculations. So this is a subtler thing. You know the goal is to surrender to Krishna, but you're still attached to uh, you know, playing with the mind. Is this is still attached? He takes pleasure in mental speculation. Oh, to understand Krishna. Yeah, this is uh, the jnani. Somehow he, he's attached to trying to understand Krishna just on his own. And that's not possible. That's, it's only by mercy, by grace, when Krishna is pleased, then he reveals his true nature. But when, if, we're, if we have a history, say, of just being a real mental speculator, then uh, that might, the fan of that speculation might turn for a while. And we might try to figure them out now. How is Krishna one with everything? How is he different from everything? That's inconceivable. So Krishna has to reveal that to us. We can't conceive of it with our tiny brains. Or, how is Krishna the taste of water? Uh, well, just taste water, Krishna says, and, and then appreciate the freshness if it's pure. Or the heat and fire. And he's giving us so many ways to appreciate him. Uh, yeah, that's, that's an example Prabhupada gave of the water. What did he say? The mental speculator will taste water and he'll try to think, what is that? And he'll never come to a real conclusion. He'll just, without Krishna, he'll just come to a conclusion that's, that's preface as impersonal or void. But if we just accept what Krishna says, I am the taste of water, then you taste water, oh, that's Krishna refreshing me. So that's the difference between Mental speculation is on our own, and philosophical speculation, Prophet's philosophical speculation means you mull over, in your, mull over in your mind how Krishna is the taste of water. Yes? It's kind of like when a speculator might try and describe love, and they refuse all forms of poetry, and so they say it's a chemical reaction of the mind. <laughs> yeah, that's real. That's realistic, yeah. Yeah, it's just a... Uh, your chemicals drive with my chemicals. You know? That's not right. Anyway. <laughs> and when he knows the goal and seeks Krishna completely in Krishna consciousness and devotional service, he is acting in bhakti, or buddhi yoga, which is a complete yoga. Why buddhi? Because Krishna gives the intelligence, like he says in his verse, which is a complete yoga. This complete yoga is the highest perfectional stage of life. And then Prabhupada, listen to this one, this is really interesting. A person may have, it's very haunting actually when you read this, a person may have a bona fide spiritual master and may be attached to a spiritual organization. So say I come into ISKCON and I realize that uh, Prabhupada's our foundational Shiksha Guru and I, I get attached to my identity as an ISKCON, a citizen in ISKCON, right? Which is all well and good. But then Prophet says, but if he still is not intelligent enough to make progress, then Krishna from, with, from within gives him instructions so that he may ultimately come to help him without difficulty. So it's not enough to be externally in the organization and even have a bona fide spiritual master. We may still, I may still be kind of dull, 
and not get it. And Prabhupada says, uh, if he's still not intelligent enough to make progress, if we're sincere, and Krishna from within gives instructions so that he may ultimately come to him without difficulty. So ultimately it's up to Krishna. To understand Krishna, to love Krishna, he is pleased, he has to be pleased with our attitude. It's all about attitude. And then Krishna, from within, he makes it clear. He gives us the buddhi, he gives us the intelligence. So it doesn't matter what your IQ is, you know, coming into ISKCON or whatever, you know, what you thought you were in the material world. It's all about the intentions of the heart, the yoga of the heart, that's bhakti. The qualification is that a person always engage himself in Krishna consciousness and with love and devotion render all kinds of services. He should perform some sort of work for Krishna. You know this Prabhupada is always stressing the action. It's not just some passive, you know, imagining that I love God, but it's it's proving it through practical service, which is what we do in the material world. We love somebody, we want to do something for that person. Same with Krishna. He should perform some sort of work for Krishna, and that work should be done with love, should be with love. If a devotee is not intelligent enough to make progress on the path of self-realization, but is sincere and devoted to the activities of devotional service, the Lord gives him the chance to make progress and ultimately attain to him. That's why Prabhupada says in the preface to Nectar of Instruction, Advancement in Krishna Consciousness, it depends on the attitude of the devotee. So when we say work in Krishna consciousness, could that just be chanting Hare Krishna with love and devotion? Yeah, that's one, that's, that's true. Uh, although Prabhupada, you know, we're going to come to a, a purport where Prabhupada talks about sadhya and sadhana. Sadhya means the goal, and sadhya means the practice to get to the goal. So, yeah, it's work. But generally, Prabhupada would divide our day into sadhana, work, sadhana. You know, hearing, work, hearing. Um, kind of sandwich. So it's, it's work in the sense that we're using our working senses, you know, the voice and the fingers. Uh, so it just depends on your motive of asking the question. What do you mean? <laughs> what are you getting at? Well, like, I, I mean, like... Like, I mean, for instance, like Haridas Thakur, you know what I mean? Or, or so many of our, our scriptures, they say, you know, one should, and then, you know, one should chant 20, Haridasa 24 hours a day, ideally, you know what I mean? You should be in that state, you know, Haridas Thakur chanted, you know, 300,000. Yeah, that was his job, so to speak. That was yeah, his, I mean, to, be the, to be the exemplar of chanting Hare Krishna, yeah. But, and even like, you know, like the Pantitaka or Chaitanya, I mean, they, they were doing, they were performing Sankirtan, that was the, the mission, you know what I mean? Isn't it, in essence, isn't in essence that also the goal and the means the same at a certain point? Like at the beginning, I mean, I always think this, and I've experienced that when I chant Hare Krishna, it's like, okay, I'm going to chant these beads because I'm supposed to get something out of it, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, I love chanting this, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And then it's like, I can't live without chanting. I love, yeah, I, I need to good. chant, it's Krishna, so I love Krishna, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? That's so, true, no, that's, that's so true. In in essence, the means, and the means and the ends are the same. Uh, but as far as a practical life of bhakti, a bhakti life, Prabhupada, would, and, and devotees would bring that same kind of thing to Prabhupada, just what you said. Can we just chant, if we can, can we chant all day? And Prabhupada said, yeah, if you can, but then how would the world find out about Krishna if you're chanting all day? We, we, we want to spread it 
all over the world. So Prabhupada did give us, you know, and then he would joke, he would say, and then I've just given you 16 rounds. And still you can't do that properly. So uh, let's work on the quality. Of course, but, but I mean, in essence, like for someone that's, you know, at a certain point. Well, that's another thing. At a stage of life, when you can't do anymore because your body's, yeah, that's another thing. Well, just at a certain point of the bhakti development, there's chanting because chanting it's sadhana, and then there's chanting because you're having ecstatic love for Krishna. Yeah, yeah, right. that's shuddha bhakti. But still, even the, the high devotees, they're not just going off and doing what's called nirjan or private bhajan. They're, they shouldn't be. They're working. Yeah. They're working to spread Krishna consciousness. And they're counting rounds, even though they don't have to. They're setting examples. Okay, so let's go back to the... Uh, Elijah was reading... Where was it? Livelihood was where I paused you? Mm-hmm. No, uh, but such, but I'll go back to... Uh, oh yeah, the other side. Okay. This, <clears throat> this Buddha Yoga is clearly explained in chapter 10, verse 10, as being direct communion with the Lord to a sitting paramatma in everyone's heart. Okay, before you go any further, I'm not, I'm not, I still don't have the right... Page 40. Page 40? Top paragraph, middle. Oh, this Buddha Yoga? Is that what you... This Buddha Yoga? You didn't know where I was? Yeah, this Buddha Yoga is clearly explained. It's in the middle of the... Yeah, this Buddha Yoga. Okay, everybody go back to the study guide. Um... It's Borjan's comments to text 39, and it's the part where Borjan's quoting Prabhupada. So, this Buddha Yoga. Oh. Read it again? Yeah, this Buddha Yoga. This Buddha Yoga is clearly explained in chapter 10, verse 10, as being direct communion with the Lord who is sitting as Paramatma in everyone's heart. But such communion does not take place without devotional service. One who is therefore situated in devotional or transcendental loving service to the Lord, or in other words, in Christian consciousness, attains to the stage of Buddha Yoga by the special grace of the Lord. The Lord says, therefore, that only those who are always engaged in devotional service out of transcendental love does he award the pure knowledge of devotion in love. In that way, the devotee can reach him easily in the ever-blissful kingdom of God. Buddha Yoga or Karma Yoga may be practiced at different stages. The topmost stage, as Srila Prabhupada mentions above, is when Krishna blesses the devotee and inspires him with full puti, or uh, and thus one effortlessly becomes fully absorbed in Krishna consciousness. That is called love of God. Mm. That's what we observed in Prabhupada. We just, uh, he just flowed from one activity to the next in, in full Krishna consciousness. It's like his days, you know, he would go to sleep at 10 and get up at like midnight uh, and then start dictating and then dictate all night. So his days and nights were not like our days and nights. <laughs> it was like, it was a non-stop uh, service to Krishna with a little naps in between. You know. So, uh, yeah, that's what we observed. And, and whatever, whatever Prabhupada was doing, whether he was signing a letter, or he was lecturing, or he was taking prasadam, he was just like, look at that painting in the back of Kirtan. You see that painting? When Prabhupada's chanting, now he's, he's totally absorbed in Krishna. So, 
That's how we learn, by observing the Mahabhagavat. Okay. Any questions about third? That was just the first verse. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. In this case, we're going to need six weeks. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> no hurry. It's like, how, how do I... How do I... Like, Prabhupada, you hear about the Goswamis, they only slept like two hours, and yeah. the heart, Maki Vinod, Dr. Goran, was a dark, and then Krishna said, you should only sleep six hours. You mean Prabhupada? Yeah. But yeah. I was wondering, a lot of the, all of our Acharyas, they, they had such a low level of sleep. Yeah, but it wasn't artificial. You know, they just, like Prabhupada said, when he would go to bed, he'd say, now I'm going to waste my time. <laughs> and I'm thinking, ah. <laughs> At last, oblivion, you know, <laughs> or you get to be unconscious for, you know. Prophet six, said six to eight hours, but uh, depending on what you need, depending on your, you know, some people go to war. So, it's just a matter, it's just, uh, you know, you hear we get so, sometimes we glimpse it, you know, we get so wrapped up in, in a project or something that we just, uh, we just, forget to eat or sleep. I mean, once in a blue moon that happens. <laughs> and uh, so that's how the Goswamis were all the time. They were just uh, they were diving and surfacing in the, uh, in the ocean of the gopis' love for Krishna. Because they were Manjari gopis, so we can't imitate that. You know. But, uh, and maybe someday, you know, uh, if that's what Krishna wants us to do, we'll join their party. Maybe that's our rasa. Or if not, whatever it is. But we don't, yeah. The way to get there is to follow their example of being very active. Being very active. And that was certainly our founder, Acharya's way. He was, I mean, 14 times in 12 years around the world when most old men would be just want to kick back and retire and sip lemonade on the porch. You know, probably just, and we couldn't keep up with him. So. That's what we want to do. Keep moving. Stay young. Follow Prabhupada. Keep moving. Uh, but I think I lost your train. Yeah, what did you? Well, I was just I was wondering about the sleep question. You answered it. You answered it well when you yeah. said you said it was not, It wasn't artificial. It's not artificial. It's yeah. whatever you need. I mean, everybody's body is different. So if we're leading a regulated life, we don't really need to sleep ten to twelve hours a day. A lot of people that they just. You know, because they abuse their bodies. The human body is not meant, you know, for all that meat and alcohol and, and whatever people do, you know. So, uh, if you lead a regulated life, an easy way, if you do want to cut down on the sleep, is to eat a little less. Because the more you eat, the more you have, your body has to work to process it. Yeah, and especially don't eat big at night. I also read that, you know, yogis, it was a reading from like, it was more like a yoga type text, but it's like yoga knowledge that the yogis sleep much less because they're they're not agitated, their minds are in a calm, restful state, you know what I mean? So, they're not, you know, the, mind, the, brain, the brain burns 80% of the energy in the body. It's the brain, so the yogis, they're, they're in a certain state of restfulness. Even though they're active, they're not agitated and their body needs less sleep. Yeah. Yeah, and their sleep is peaceful, or very often people are just so disturbed by what's going on when they're awake that they can't sleep because of this worry and that anxiety. Yeah, so. Okay, better plow ahead here. Um, 
That's how usually people say it. Diminution. It's diminution. Because there's a U there. That's a different word. There's no loss or diminution. And a little advancement on this task can protect one from the most dangerous type of fears. Uh huh. And then Burijan does focus on what that fear is in the comment. Go ahead. I have commentary. Endeavoring Krishna consciousness, Buddha Yoga, saves us from rebirth in a lower species and from remaining trapped in the will of samsara. There is no loss or diminution because all advancement is eternal. Material advancement, of course, is always temporary. Krishna continues encouraging Arjuna to hear about Buddha Yoga. Verse 41 has a special significance for Iskhan devotees. Mm. So that dangerous type of fear, yeah, it's forfeiting the human life. If I'm in a human body and I just behave like an animal my whole life, just really ferocious and I eat all kinds of stuff that humans, humans really should not eat, then I'm telling nature, you know, and I, I, never, I never inquire about why, you know, what the purpose of life is. That means I'm telling nature, you know, I've got no use for this human body. I just want to, uh, what, what do the t-shirts say? But they still said it. When I went to college in the 60s, it was party animal. <laughs> right? So that's, that's what we get. I mean, dogs run free, why can't we, you know. That's, the, that's, the, that's my philosophy, okay. I don't need the human form to inquire about what, what it's all about. So, so are you saying that um, if you... There's the possibility of reincarnating in an animal form when you don't respect your human form. Yeah, we don't use the human form, what it's designed for, which is specifically designed for God realization. Finally, when we get to a human form, we have the developed consciousness to ask, where does all this come from? Why is the sky blue? Is there, what's, who's behind all this? So if we have no use for that, then... Yeah, we, uh, it's like Prabhupada in Hawaii with the surfers, the famous, there's a place, anybody been to Hawaii? Yeah. 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 So there's a place in, uh, called Alamoana Beach Park, Magic Island. So Prabhupada would take his morning walk down there. And in the early morning, these surfers would be coming in, you know, catching the waves. And devotees would say, yes, they're surfing, Prabhupada. You say surfer, I say sufferer. And then the devotees are thinking, huh? That looks like fun to me. But then Prabhupada would explain. You know, the, the best surfers are the, uh, the fish, the porpoises. And, uh, you know, the yeah, porpoises, dolphins, sporting in the waves, you know, they're so agile, and that's what it's for. So, if my whole life I die in that kind of consciousness of just meditating on the perfect waves. That was, that was a movie, remember the end of summer? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Searching for the perfect wave. They found it off Cape Town, but it was temporary. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, if I die thinking of just chasing that perfect wave, then hey, 
I can come back and I can have the, the whole body that's the surfer body. I don't even need a board. I can just come in. So some people could advance to a human form and then go back to an animal form. Yeah, yeah. Evolution works both ways. You can evolve up to the human form. And it's evolution of spirit. It's not evolution like Darwin said, the bodies. So once, yeah, once we devolve into a less than human form, then uh, that's really scary. We'd have to like evolve through like over 8 million species of life again. 8 million forms. There's 8 million, according to the Vedas, the Hastia uh, Purana. Jala Jala Balakani Padma Purana. There's 900,000 species of fish. And I think it's a million species of trees. Anyway, it talks about... So we could have been a tree. Yeah. yeah, not that we are a tree, but we could have been inhabiting a tree body. Our spirit could yeah, have been a tree. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, within a tree. Huh? Within a tree, yeah. Yeah. All things have souls. Th this is all new thinking. <laughs> the proof is in the existence of trees. Somebody's got to be a tree, right? So how do you get to be a tree? If you read that, do you have the Christian book there? I got, I just gave her, I just was showing her the Christian oh, okay. book. She had a book that was like, it's kind of like the Christian book. It's not by Prabhupada, it's like okay. a kind of story about Krishna. Yeah. So there's a whole pastime where these demigods were sporting in, in the, the celestial regions. And then a great sage named Narada Muni came by. And the demigods were drunk on this heavenly liquor called Samaras. And they were with ladies, you know, having fun in the water, drinking, drunk, drunk in the water. And so the ladies saw the sage, Narada Muni, and they had the sense to cover themselves. But the, but the drunkards, Nalakubara and Mani Griva, they didn't, they just didn't care. Ah, you know, hey Narada, how's it going, you know? So Narada Muni cursed them. Narada Muni cursed them. You are so... Uh, unscrupulous, you were so lusty, that I'm going to curse you to take birth as trees. But then it was a benediction curse too, there was a benediction baked in because after so many thousands of years, then Krishna would be crawling through a courtyard where the trees were side by side, and he would uproot the trees in this pastime where he, and it's a whole story, you have to go to work. Alright, So, uh, yeah, we'll become. We'll take a look at this actually. Uh, when does Kartik start? The thirty-first. Okay. Yeah, that's right. So that's a whole pastime of baby. We during the month of November we'll be actually worshiping Krishna as as he appears as a baby, and that's one of his pastimes. We're <laughs> reading about that. Yeah. Is that is that picture here? I was just talking to Dana about it. The, the free oh. picture. Shows that. You showed that. Like, you know, your consciousness, what you're thinking about, is kind of like, you know, like, how you know what you need, and you're just like, tie your body, and you know, like a pig, like a pig body. It's much more likely that we can have an animal body, than a human body, just in statistics alone. There's like, if everyone had a fair share of chickens, we'd have 14 chickens. Probably, it's just like, get dogs right. There's a lot more uh, 
if you think about it, like in this room, how many are there? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven humans. Uh-huh. But there's so many living entities that we can't even see. You know, microbes and little bugs. And oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. We're, it's a rare birth, actually, a human birth. So it's the most dangerous process. type yeah. of fear is to lose that precious gift of the human form. And just, because, just by the fact that we're exploring self-realization, God-realization, it guarantees us that at least, at the very least, we'll take another human birth in a, in a seeker mode, because that's where we are now. So, it's getting close to 10.30. Did we finish that comment? Yeah. yeah. All right, so we did two verses. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> A lot to talk about. You did say in the beginning. But I got a lot out of this. <laughs> huh? You did say in the beginning we're not going to be attached. Yes, we're not attached. <laughs> we're only attached to Krishna. <coughs> so next time, no new homework, but uh, yeah, read all the comments. Text 53 is the end. So when I get you, uh, read the Gita up to Text 53, chapter 2, and I'll. I'll get her up. Okay. Uh, that was going to come last week and Wednesday. Get your study. Hey, Krishna.